Okay. Mainline coil. Artificial line coil. New armature lever. Separate batteries, supplementaries. All new contrivances. It's the 11th Street Telegram, your premier anachronistic news and entertainment program, coming to you from the offices of the 11th Street Telegraph Agency. Blazanov then will speak in high voice. Keep speaking on in your low voice while Blazanov at the same time speaks highly. This From is this point on, I shall speak in a and recorded elsewhere by instruments with appropriate sensitivities. This is it. It's the beginning of the podcast. I'm Peter. What's your name? Bill. Hello, Bill. Uh, True Grit, the Coen Brothers 2010 movie. A remake. A remake. Of a movie from what? 19? Wait, let me Six... guess. Go ahead. I was going to say 65. Nope. You'd be wrong. Guess again. 62. Wrong again. Wrong direction. 67. Wrong again. 68. No. 66. No. 64. No. Wrong direction. Six. I've gone both of the directions. Not all the way in one direction. You've, you've told me the wrong direction for... Oh. <laughs> 69. Uh, okay. 69. 69. Man, which is it's didn't think it was that late i know it's interesting because it's kind of like a i it, you know it, it it's it, it true grit is like a uh it's a western but it's like a little it's like a little bit of a wonky of a western like it's a self-aware western you know oh, okay i think and and i haven't i never saw the original so i mean even uh, this one is still uh, I would say it's kind of, it's pretty self-aware. Like it plays with the yeah. tropes a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in the 69, 1969 version, I watched, I watched that. And then immediately after I watched this one, that, that was my day yesterday. Okay. Um, and I don't like John Wayne movies, but I really liked that movie. Okay. Um, and maybe it's because it's, he's similar to Russell Crowe for me. John Wayne is in that, mm. um, in the 69 movie he's playing a uh old fat annoying blowhard mm -hmm. and he's great at it he's great he's he's annoying he's like you don't like him but then when he you know same sort sort of beats that jeff bridges does but when he like is competent at the thing you're like okay i don't like this guy but damn he sure you know got it in the pocket when it was needed or whatever the yeah. thing is so one thing i was struck upon struck by this viewing i felt like it might have been better to have a couple more scenes in which rooster cogburn as played by jeff bridges 
showed off some competence, right? Like in the end, it works out. In the end, he has proved to be a good man who is competent. But I kind of thought that there was, I, I hadn't seen the movie since probably that I saw it in the theater in 2010. And I, I, I would have told you that there was one or two more scenes in which you get to see Rooster Cogburn being like competent and a badass, mm. but you don't really, he's kind of a mess the whole time until the very end. Mm. Uh, you think so? I mean, he, 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 well, yeah, I guess, I guess they sort of subvert the, the scene where they're in the um, dugout and he's the cabin. Yeah. Yeah, they call they they call it a dugout because at least I'm pretty sure I, I'm getting since I watched both movies back to back I'm sort of conflating the two. But in the 1969 version, I very clearly remember it's a dugout because they dug the thing into the side of a cliff, so it's right. not exactly a cabin. I, right. I think that was the way it was in the 2010 version, but I can't exactly remember. It was definitely at the base of a cliff. But I don't I don't recall it actually being structurally part of the cliff. Oh, okay, okay. It seemed like there was a little separation between the cliff and the and the structure. I was gonna say though, oh, what happened? There we go. It's back. I was gonna say though, um, he, I thought in that scene it, during the night when he's um, shooting the guys from a distance. Mm -hmm. I thought he was pretty competent there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He was pretty competent there. Yeah, I I see that. Um, and he did he did find like he did find them and know the guys like in the in that cabin. Like he knew uh -huh. who those who those guys were. I thought they were kind yeah. of showing off in that scene um, with the with Domnall Domnall Donald Donald. Yeah. I thought there's an m in there there is but it's not i mean irish names most of the letters oh, are silent right. irish yeah. names they just you know it's funny and willy-nilly it's fun funny in that scene i didn't know that it was donald gleason and i was watching the scene i was like they couldn't get donald gleason so they cast this guy yeah i was I, I <laughs> not realizing it was actually him i thought the same thing I yeah thought the same thing yeah um but anyway yeah i i felt like that scene it, it showed like he knows he knows these this mm -hmm. life he knows these like how to manipulate these people in a certain that's way. true it kind of went south but that wasn't really his doing it was that's true it was the, that was the the angry angry guys doing yeah so but i guess what i meant is um would you say that on the scale of one to a hundred jeff bridges portrays the alcoholism as like a 95 <laughs> or like pretty high how yeah. does john wayne like on a scale of one to hundred how messed up is john wayne it, it's what i found interesting about the two versions is that it's almost they're almost identical like like mm. beat for beat there's little decisions that the cohen brothers made differently yeah. um but but largely like it's 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 the same i showed i sent you that little video of of um john wayne drinking the jug mm -hmm. he drinks it let me see if i can describe this in an audible way yeah he like okay. you have a jug you, i've got something that approximates a jug right in front yeah. of me you, you tell me step by step and i'll see if i can yeah, yeah. you've got a jug okay. with and it's and it's all of one piece and it's got the it's got the thing that you put your finger in right, right. um whatever that thing is called instead of just 
putting his right forefinger, hooking it through the little finger hold, putting his palm on the bottom of the jug and drinking that way, which is yep. how I would drink right. out of a jug. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. He, he, it's like put your palm towards the exactly yeah. put yeah. your palm yeah. towards the camera and and no no uh put your palm towards the camera thumb face up cock your now put your forefinger through the finger hole f so that the body of the jug is facing away from you Mm -hmm. rest the body of the jug on your kind of forearm slash bicep mm -hmm. and from there kick it back kick it back yeah what in why is it maybe maybe it it was so he did it twice john wayne did it twice in the 1969 movie and it had to have been like oh like maybe the one bit of research somebody did and they were like no this is what I saw a picture once. Yeah. Somebody doing this. Anyway, yeah, no, uh I'm I'm roundabout answering your question. It, it it it's as drunk as As drunk. Okay. Yeah. Not in the mumble he's less mumbly. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't get much less you can't get much less mumbly than that. Or more no. mumbly, I should say. <clears throat> yeah. Um Roger Ebert. R.I.P. Uh, reviewed it, and he he made a pretty good um, observation. Typing and talking is a skill. Yeah. There's a video of like you know how people will do misheard lyrics, I, yeah, and they'll put the misheard. They, so there's a there's a mashup of scenes from True Grit with Jeff Bridges where it's just misheard versions <laughs> of his lines. Yeah, very funny. Um. Based on a novel by Charles Portis that that Charles Portis wrote in the sixties, by the way, it was mm -hmm. like two years earlier. Yeah. Um. Where is this quote? I meant to save it. Uh. 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 Um. Uh, where is it? You talk while I'm figuring this out. Oh, well, the. Uh... So the movie at the time would have been one of those times where they adapt a novel that has just come out, right? Like yeah. it was the it would it would have been the equivalent of you know practically when a, the novel even hits the stores for the first time, it's already got the soon to be a major motion picture from you know sticker on it. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and I I I googled it and read like one or two pages of the of the novel just like on you know you get that preview on google yep. books or whatever yep it reads it reads pretty pretty good like it it it's similar it reminds me obviously of like a cormac mccarthy novel or something like it's it's written first person from the perspective of maddie mm -hmm. um i found the i found the roger ebert quote Coen Brothers, True Grit. Jeff Bridges is not playing the John Wayne, the John Wayne role. He's playing the Jeff Bridges role, or more properly, the role created in the enduring novel by Charles Portis. Uh, Bridges doesn't have the archetypal stature of the Duke, 
but he has here, I believe, an on-screen uh, presence. Um, Wayne wanted his tombstone to read "Feo Fuerte y Formal," ugly, strong, and dignified. Um, he was a handsome, weathered man. Um, Rooster might be an ornery gunslinger with an eye patch, but Wayne played him wearing a hairpiece and a corset. I mm. that that I mean that might that might be true, but I didn't detect either of those when mm. I watched it. Mm. Um, mm. Jeff Bridges occupies the character like a homeless squatter. I found myself mm. wondering how young Maddie Ross, Haley Stanfield could endure his body odor. Mm. So his mm-hmm. point being, I, I think I think. I think it is true. Like Jeff Bridges leaned into the indignity of the character, mm-hmm. but John Wayne kind of did the same thing. It was just it maybe a subtle difference. Like like that bed that Jeff Bridges is laying on in the nineteen sixty nine movie. It's exactly the same. It's like this the saggy like, ropes and everything. <laughs> the saggy yeah. ropes. Are yeah. there sausages hanging from the ceiling in the room? Uh, I can't remember. Okay. I can't remember exactly. That was a very particular detail. Um, they go into more, in the 1969 movie, they go into more detail. You see the interaction between Maddie's dad and um, Tom? Tom Chaney. Tom Chaney. You see, yeah. they they show you the death happen. And they show they show Maddie's dad interacting with her before he and Tom leave to go do their business where where the death results. I so, see. So you get to see Maddie being like the bookkeeper for her dad. And he's like... Oh, okay. So you he, get a little bit more background. That's interesting. Yeah. You see you see him saying, well, I need... I need... Like she's sitting at a desk with like a, with like a cash box. And he's like, well, Maddie, I need $68 to go buy some horses and she's like you know she's she's being the the um accountant lady yeah sort of like "Mm, now why do you need that money i don't think i wouldn't buy those horses if they were blah 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 you know um just so it establishes the the later sort of start like the scene that was sort of the star making turn for Haley steinfeld the the quite the horse trading scene that's quite literally horse trading. <laughs> oh, know? that scene is so good. It's it is so very good. good. You know, I, I was thinking, I was thinking about uh, this is a strange comparison, but I was thinking about uh, Haley Steinfeld in comparison to Anya Taylor Joy. Bear with me here, because okay. The Witch and True Grit came out about the same time. Okay. Now, True Grit was obviously a much bigger budget movie, but. I think at the time, both of them were, they were like roughly the same age when they were those two movies. And both of them kind of blew people away with how uh, facile they were with kind of old timey dialogue, right? And how um, it's interesting that Anya Taylor-Joy's career has gone more in the direction of like prestige and Haley Steinfeld's career has gone more in the direction of pop star but I think they're both well respected. I don't really have a point to this comparison. It was just something that I was reflecting on for some reason. No, it, it, it's true. I, I was looking up. Um, she was born in '96. Haley Steinfeld. Um, Aunt Anya Taylor Joy. Okay. And the witch. The witch came out in 2015. 
Mm, so that okay. was um she's 26 now so that was how how long ago seven, seven years, years ago. ago so she was like probably 17 when they were filming it yeah Haley steinfeld was 13 wow no no okay she i think she was she was no yeah i think she was 13 i think she was 13 when they were filming that um dang so they're okay so both those actresses were born in 96 but true grit came out five years before the witch so yeah that yeah. tells you right there and the you know i was thinking about this movie the what stands out to this movie i think when i saw it the first time i was like holy crap this jeff bridges performance so good we've never seen him like this like i think that's true previous to this movie he didn't quite pull out this this level of brett jeff bridges but post this movie mm -hmm. he is he is now versions of rooster cogburn and everything so <laughs> when you were when you shared that quote from roger ebert earlier i was reflecting on exactly that because in 2010 you could be like man isn't it really weird that jeff bridges of all people is playing a john wayne role that seems odd but now it's like well duh of course yeah. jeff bridges is going to play john wayne type roles and so like in the 12 years since the movie came out, I don't think if I don't think Roger Ebert would make that same comment today if the movie came out today. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, didn't what did Jeff Bridges get for didn't he didn't he get a nomination or something for this? I think he got a nomination, but he won his Oscar for um Crazy Heart or Wild Heart or whatever. Crazy the one Heart. Is. Crazy yeah, Heart. Yeah, where he's I... the old country singer. When did that come out? Crazy Heart came out in... I would say two years after this. Before. Oh, it's before. A year before. A okay. Year before. Um, and the yeah, man, I really... It, maybe we can do a side pod on Crazy Heart because I, I really like that movie. The most interesting thing to me about that movie, I hadn't seen Jeff Bridges in, in much of anything for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think he was in... I, I know he was in Iron Man. The first one right yeah and that was yeah. five years earlier or something four years previous to 2009 he's in a oh, good oh go ahead the opening the opening scene to crazy heart do you remember this at all it's him playing in a in a sort of dive bar right not a dive bar oh what was it a strip club nope 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 a it, coffee he, shop i don't no, remember no no it, it opens with him playing in a bowling alley Oh, bowling alley! And I, yes. I, was, I was like, I think I saw that movie by myself, and I was like looking around, like, <laughs> this is brilliant because yep. it's washed up Jeff Bridges in a bowling alley. I feel like you know he's just like this big meta commentary. Yep. We're talking yep. about the Big Lebowski. It, it, that's yep, listener, yep. Yep. yep, the one of you that's listening. Um, yep. yeah. Uh, what was I gonna say though? Um. Man, that derailed my train of thought. Mm. Oh, uh, this viewing, maybe because, as I was saying, like we're sort of used to Jeff Bridges being different versions of mumbly old guy. Yeah. This viewing, his his performance is obviously good. It like time hasn't lessened how good his performance is, but the. Haley Stanfield uh, uh, Steinfeld is that how you pronounce her name? I keep Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld and 
and um I'm looking right at him. What is his name? Matt. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Those two that's that that's what like really made this movie pop for me. Mm. Yeah, they're both them. really good. They're so good. Um so good. So, so good. So good. So however, so there are so my overall take to this movie was okay. I hadn't seen it since I saw it in the theater in 2010. I would have said that this is one of the Coen brothers, much more family friendly movies. This is, oh, yeah. this is a Coen brothers movie for people who don't like Coen brothers. That's what I would have. Oh no, you're completely frozen. Completely frozen. Before watching it the other oh. night than I remembered, like it's closer to rated R than I would have, than I had remembered. Oh no, mm. the internet's going shitty. Oh no. I turned my video off to um it's I'll try me. to stop my video as well. It's me this time. It's not you, it's me. It's not you, Bill, it's me. Okay. Yeah. Um it, it, you were saying it's the mo it's one of the Cohen brothers most family friendly ones. Yeah, so in other words, I was saying it's the movie, however, is less family friendly and more like other Coen Brothers movies than I remembered it being. Right? Yeah. In yeah. in terms of some of the violence is very brutal, like mm -hmm. like dang, not like take your ten year old to the movie theater kind of stuff. And also, there was some of the Coen Brothers quirkiness and weirdness. There was a greater degree of that than I remembered. <laughs> is there this, being? Is this when we talk about um, guy in the bear suit? Is this? Is this, yeah, is guy in the we... bear suit. For for one thing, like we were watching that, we were watching that scene, and Emily was like, "What is even happening right now?" <laughs> we had to rewind it. We had to rewind it and watch it again from the beginning, because. Because the the physical appearance of that man is so kind of at odds with the idea that we're supposed to buy him as just a doctor, somebody that you could trust to provide medical attention. <laughs> Which I, I think that's the point, right? Yeah, like that's there the were point. these people that were doctors back then and they're like, Well, I'm a dentist, but I'm a barber. Yeah. I, the and there's some there's something very Cohen esque about like this guy is hanging from a tree for some unknown mm -hmm. reason. They get mm -hmm. him down. Is he anybody you know? No, actually, he's not. I do not know this man. <laughs> okay, now a, now a Native American is going to stop by. I'm going to give the body to that guy. He leaves. Another guy comes back and tries to sell the body to them. The the very same one that they just saw. Like, is that that like like the back and forth of the body moving around that is like the most cohen cohen is that in the 19th movie it's not movie? no no bear suit guy is not in the 1969 movie the guy hanging from and the trading of the body is not in it no there's no body hanging from the tree in the 1969 okay. one yeah, no, I don't. So I don't know if that was an invention of the Coen Brothers or if it, it says it was adapted by the Charles Portis novel. So I bet that was in the novel. Probably, yeah. So there was a few things that I felt like, I, and I can't decide if they are a things that haven't aged well since that far ago period of 2010, 
which seems kind of a strange thing to say, but you know, cultural mores have kind of shifted in the last mm-hmm. 12 years. Mm-hmm. Or they're simply things that make the movie more adult than I remember. So one, the scene where Labeef decides that he needs to give Haley Steinfeld a slapping was super intense and like made me really uncomfortable. It was yeah, yeah. It was it was it was especially because earlier he admits to considering having stolen a kiss while she was sleeping yeah and then later in the movie we're supposed to kind of buy that they have a somewhat healthy father like father figure kind of relationship that was that didn't quite land for me but i don't know if it didn't land because i find the the humor somewhat kind of skeezy or if it's just Uh, yeah complex or if it's just supposed to be like this is a flawed person um, I think I, I mean my take on it was all of that like yeah. skeezy it's also I think it, trying to illustrate the times like people like 40 year old dudes were marrying 15 year olds back then yeah you know yeah. and yeah I, I mean it was gr- I think I think they're trying to say hey this time period was gross yeah and this is a gross this is a gross dude who's of his time who also um, has redeeming qualities. Yeah. Like, that, it yeah. doesn't cover up the other thing. He's still... Right. Gro- and, I mean, they even pointed out that... I don't know that it was supposed to be funny, because they even pointed out, like, mm-hmm. she says, are you going to let this happen? And he goes, nope, I don't think I am. It, it is is it in the 2010 movie, or is it in, or is it only in the 1969 movie? Because I... I can't remember if it's in both, but the line uh, that Rooster Cogburn says is, you're enjoying this too much? Like, to Labeef? I don't remember. I don't remember it from 2010. Okay. I can't swear to it not being there, but I don't. it doesn't stand out. Okay, so it might have just been in the 1969 one. In that scene, he's, you know, got the... He's got a switch in the 1969 one. He's hitting her and... She says, are you going to let this happen? And Rooster mm-hmm. Cogburn says, I don't think I am. You're enjoying this too much, Labeef. And then he, like, you know, yeah, takes a shot off or whatever. Yeah. But and and then the other part that I that that hit me like really intensely is when they go to the general store and Rooster just thinks Indians are not allowed to sit on this what? porch. So he's just what kicking the kids. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's his racism. I mean, he's like a he's. I think it's his really, really harsh racism just to just kick children off a porch repeatedly. <laughs> and I kind of felt like, oh my God, the Coen brothers are playing this for laughs a little too much. Well, that's, like, I was thinking the same thing because they... It, but what makes it complex is there's a scene at the beginning with the Native American man who's being hung. Mm-hmm. And he starts to talk, and they just put a bag over his head immediately, and they don't right. let him speak at all. Then right. there's then there's that scene that you're talking about where the the kids, I think those are I, I believe those are Mexican kids. I'm I I think I say that because I, they mentioned who runs that store, and I think it was a anyway doesn't mm-hmm. somebody yeah. who's not white for sure doesn't really right well eth- and ethnically speaking probably I mean. Well, anyway, continue. No, I see. I, I see where you're going. I don't know. I I don't want to say it's splitting hairs because it's either not way. splitting hairs. Um, but 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, but the, what it, the read is, these are non-white yeah. characters. So, right. So then there's that scene. But then I do feel like when the, when the, the, the Native American guy in the, De in the forest comes on upon them that is not i didn't take that to be funny at all i took it to be like it seemed like i don't know it didn't seem like comic or it didn't seem like a bad it was kind of a it. it was a very neutral portrayal i mean he was just kind of a guy doing his thing but don't they held the camera held on his face for like a good yeah, it was, it was a. It was like a I steady think, shot of nothing happening. Yeah, I think I think I couldn't. You know, it, on the one hand, I don't want to hold the movie to the standards of now, but with so many great things about Native Americans, with Native Americans actors coming out right now, like there's Reservation Dogs, there's Prey, there's um, Letterkenny and Shorzy, there's um, there's this movie on AMC dark winds which i haven't watched yet but i hear is really good like oh, yeah. it's hard to then see how 12 years ago native americans were just played for laughs like physical violence upon native peoples was just played for laughs willy-nilly yeah um I, that was I don't tough know. that was i don't know if it was yeah. for, I, I still don't know if it was for laughs i in and like i don't so it's if it's the... not being played for laughs it's being played to portray rooster cogburn as like a very horrible racist yes but then he gets a total redemption arc without he gets a redemption arc without ever having to have redemption about that aspect of himself no yeah because i i i think that's true yeah. um i think that's true and i don't i don't know that he has a i don't i don't know that it's i i think what a lot of these coen brothers things are saying mm -hmm. which people are probably tired of but i i think it's still valid is like these are there's shitty people doing good things mm -hmm. and he they're not trying to say this guy like he never he uh, rooster cogburn as a character like he has a son out there who's just, who he just sort of like mumbles off oh yeah well my son didn't like me anyway yeah uh like he's drunk he yeah. stole money he like right. he's a thief right i don't think he's being redeemed for any of that stuff i think he's just like yeah it's just like he, here's here's this really awful guy mm -hmm. and he's sort of okay at some things and he happens to also have gone through this thing with uh maddie where yeah he did save her life and that that that's what happened yeah no yeah and like to be clear uh i'm not i'm not coming at this from the perspective of this movie is canceled this oh, movie is hashtag no, problematic i think, think, I think it's a good movie and uh I think that I think it's actually potentially great, but I couldn't help but kind of think about how. Yeah. yeah. I think the Coen brothers have a tendency to use non-white characters in a somewhat flippant fashion. Yeah. And this they, is this is no uh, counterexample. I totally agree. Like it, like they're they're. Uh, on the one hand, you want to see more uh, representative from non-white characters, representation from non-white characters in their movies. Mm -hmm. But what? When was it? It was Lady Killers that oh, we talked God. about. It's just like oh, no. so like they just oh, it's so bad. It's really bad. It's just yeah. really bad. Like 
yeah and and this this movie probably is another example of that where it's just yeah. like can you <laughs> just can you just have a nor just have a normal just just right. not even like yeah flattering portrayal just a normal <laughs> interaction please. yeah and you know and the and then there's two other black characters in the movie and both of them are i mean this movie is set after slavery but you know and this is not his it's not historically inaccurate to say that a lot of black people in the south still kind of maintained relationships with white people that were very similar to the dynamics of slavery right yeah so yeah. but like both of the other characters both of the black characters in the movie might as well have been slaves for the way that they're portrayed as the like the sort of deferential kind of uh obsequious relationship they have to the white characters um i i can only think of very tropey i can only think of one there's maddie's uh her hired man guy yeah and then the stable boy oh the stable boy that's right and i remember yeah. that being that scene being awkward too because she, <laughs> she names says, the horse little blackie yeah this is like are they do they know are they yeah. making a comment? Do they know that that's happening right now? I think I think they know. I think they just don't care to. They don't care to flesh out the stable boy character, right? I think that that like I think Deadwood is a really good example of a movie or a, a piece of fiction that portrays the reality of how relationships between black and white people were, but takes the time to give the black people a fully fleshed out uh role and and yeah. fully fleshes out the characters of those black people because right you'll see in deadwood you'll see black people who have to act deferential to white people because that's what the times were like but then you get to follow that black character off and complain about what bullshit it is right, right? and that's yes. the that's sort of the difference yeah no that it, it's true but but they wrote the problem is though they wrote that scene mm. it's not like Oh, our hands are tied. Like you have this character saying to another character, "I'm going to name him Little Blackie or whatever." Yeah, I like I can't. It's, I don't I, even. I, don't. I I don't want to say the name of that horse again because I hate. I, yeah. I actually the made me uncomfortable even just saying it out loud. Yeah. And, well, and she says it lots of times throughout the movie. Like Haley Steinfeld utters the words "Little Blackie" at, at least a dozen times. It's so and and she's. Uh, they wrote that scene yeah. so so they could have they could have just not had it in the movie yeah but they i gotta have. say what i i was really really impacted by little blackie's death like i was really sad oh, at the death of the I, horse. Did, I cannot handle you know i think yeah. you know this about me i cannot handle death of animals on screen i yeah. I, I i know it's fake mm -hmm. although i will say 1969 version of this movie mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure the scene at the end when when maddie falls into the pit and there's mm -hmm. a there's a rattlesnake yeah i'm pretty sure they just straight up shot a rattlesnake on on mm. film they were yeah. they were definitely hitting a real rattlesnake with a branch they were definitely yeah. it was a real snake you know she's trapped and she's trying to fend it off. They were definitely just smacking this rattlesnake with this with the yeah with the stick, and I'm pretty sure they just straight up shot it. Like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. They, okay. I, I think it, yeah they they didn't have so many qualms back then. Um, 
No. Yeah, but but uh agreed with the the problematic nature of of uh how how um race is presented in this movie yeah. for sure. The um the other thing there's there's another thread that I might be forcing on this movie. Mm. But I um so I'm doing this Sam Raimi rewatch of like all Sam Raimi movies. All right. And you know, Sam Raimi and the Coen brothers, great friends. They live together. Did you know that? Sam no, Raimi? I didn't know they lived together. Sam Raimi, Francis McDormand, the Coen brothers all live together and as they were coming up. And you know, they're frequent collaborators with each other. Like Sam uh they they collaborated on Crime Wave together. Sam Raimi, his it's an interesting like you could think of Sam Raimi sometimes as like an alternate universe Coen Brothers. Like what if what if the Coen Brothers leaned into the the their the horror aspects of yeah, their to genre, to genre pictures, so to yeah, speak. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And so what what I think is interesting is um 2010 this movie comes out coen brothers do a straight up remake um of an old of an old john wayne movie right the sam raimi often will like have an echo of a coen brothers movie in his film in his filmography they did fargo a couple of years later he did um simple plan did mm. you ever watch that no it's great it's a great movie, like mm -hmm. one of his one of his best movies. It it's probably hands down like one of the best um, uh, performances, not just by Billy Bob Thornton, but by like an actor in a movie. Mm. It, his his performance in that movie is it's great. It's great, really worth watching. But but it sort of has. It's like Sam Raimi was one step behind and was like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to try doing a I'm going to try doing my version of like what a crime movie in Minnesota would be like." Mm -hmm. That's a simple plan. The Coen brothers make this movie. 3 years later, Sam Raimi, oh man. It's it's a tough beat, but 3 years later he makes Oz the Great and Powerful, which is it's it, it, it you can see a reflection where he's like okay well they did a <laughs> i don't know if this was his thinking or not but you know like oh they did this remake how about i do a remake but mm. or like a sequel of wizard of oz huh the best part about that movie and it's a bad movie but oz great and powerful is a very terrible movie okay for many reasons but the best part of it is um the black and white part at the beginning so it follows like the same beat as like wizard of oz you know black and white sam raimi does his black and white bit at the beginning mm -hmm. if he just i i wish he would have just made a, an entire like brand new movie all black and white and just shot it like a like a 1960s movie or you know 1940s movie yeah Anyway, hmm. it's a, it's have you a played, similar thread. Similar have you thread. played the uh, the sort of 
uh, RPG game called Fiasco. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it's funny you mentioned a simple plan because in the instructions for Fiasco, it deliberately, it explicitly says, we're going to make up a game kind of like a Coen Brothers movie or a simple plan, right? That's yeah. like, the th- those are touch points for the way those the people who wrote that game conceived the game. It, um, that movie's great, man. I, one I, thing I, I, was, I would ahead. encourage you. I, I'm just saying, yeah. you haven't seen it. Yeah. I'm envious yeah. because it's a great I haven't movie. seen it. I didn't know it was a Sam Raimi movie. Yeah, it's good. Um, I was, I was thinking, so I was, I was imagining one of the things I was thinking about this movie was the way that the, the tropes, the basic story beats of this movie could easily be a sci-fi movie, right? Just bear with me for a second. Oh, here's a take. This is a take. All right. This, they could easily, it could be easily be a sci-fi movie because it's like, okay, bad guy kills a good guy unlike a civilized planet and the only way to but then he goes off into the like outer reaches of the galaxy where things are weird and crazy and you never quite know what you're <laughs> going to run into so plucky young girl has to hire the seasoned old hand to go into the outer rim or the frontiers of the galaxy and and the kinds of encounters that they have along the way like the guy in the bear suit, the person hanging from the thing. It could be encounters with like different aliens, alien yeah. species and stuff. I was imagining the plot of True Grit as a sci-fi movie. And I was like, this would work pretty well. Yeah. Is, you know, it's it's a little bit like, honestly, it's a little bit like the, the horrible, utterly terrible Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi series. <laughs> sort of in very broad strokes you know yeah. uh anyway for some reason i was imagining is that and then i was also imagining the plot of this movie as like a modern cop movie like a modern day action movie where you've got um a more official lawman the labeef character played by somebody like john cena or the rock working with a much more ramshackle rundown lawman. And it could that could also just be Jeff Bridges again, right? Yeah. But I could imagine it as like a private eye and then somebody actually from the FBI have to team up to, you know, find the bad guy. That would be so good. Mm-hmm. Either of those would be good. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you that tongue scene was brutal. <laughs> so 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 I I was like, okay, so what happened was he bit his tongue and made a big gash in it. And for some reason, Ruben is like, well, the best thing is to just rip it out the rest of the way. He's he's clearly messing with them. He's like yeah. getting back at him for because what were they implying that they were on opposite sides of the Civil War? Is that what they were implying? No, they were both in the same. OK, so this is actually something that I paused and had a little little mini lecture to poor Emily when we were watching. They weren't on opposite sides of the Civil War, but they were they were both Confederates. But Labeef fought in the regular confederate army whereas reuben cogburn fought in the more like irregular irregular um uh bushwhacker type part of the confederate army so like so so labeef he reflects upon his civil war experience as i fought the right way i fought in the honorable way with rules and i fought under robert e lee that great man whereas reuben cogburn he was essentially a terrorist he was essentially 
uh, a terrorist who was fighting the war the wrong way. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that was the nature of their dispute. Okay. Um, that makes sense. And then I was reflecting on how for so for so many decades, men in America probably like measured their dicks in precisely that fashion. Like, <laughs> right? Like what part of the Civil War were you in? And they would have little opinions about each other based on where they served and how they served and so forth. Just like, you know, in our lives, the way that World War II veterans and Vietnam veterans sort of compare their 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 wartime experiences to each other and, and form little opinions about the hierarchy of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, though. I, I there. Um, I, it, I think that scene would have hit me harder, but it, I think that, I think that was clearly, he, he wasn't going to do that. I, I, yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, that was pretty funny. He, I'm sorry. He wasn't going to do what? I don't think he was going to rip his tongue out. He wasn't going to do that. He was saying he was going to do it, but he's clearly messing with LaBeef. Oh, so he didn't actually do it. He didn't tear his tongue out, no. Well, he so what I perceive as having happened is he tore out a significant chunk of the tongue because it was going to eventually have to come out anyway. I think he was threatening him and didn't okay. do it. But Okay. But okay. I could be wrong. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um <laughs> Yeah. The, so uh there, there, there's two two other things. There's two other threads I want to. I was thinking about this movie. Um, does what many other Coen Brothers movies do as far as like cinematography goes, where I I can't think. Maybe you can tell me. I can't think of another move, another director or directors that do the um interpret what is happening from a very very far distance and like have it and it actually feels how that would really feel like, mm. like you know the scene um at the cabin where they're where you can kind of make out mm -hmm. that it's labeef but you're not really sure and then you and then okay no i They've held the camera here long enough that I can, yes, that's definitely what Matt Damon as this character was looking like. So, yeah. okay, now I now I interpret it as him. You sort of hear the dialogue, but it's from a far way off. They they have the shot of um, Jeff Bridges, like, I think that, was he looking through a, an eyeglass or, or did they just show him? I yeah, think no, he was just, looking through yeah. an eyeglass or something. Yeah. He, where he fires the gun they and he does uh the coen brothers do this in um no country for old men mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. you're watching like the little dot go across this like he's looking at it through his binoculars and yeah there's so it's such they do it so well and yeah. i can't think of another movie or another director that that uses it in that way um I, okay so i feel like Lots of directors start out a scene that way. Lots of directors tease you with the idea that, oh man, we're going to something play out from far away. But then they always eventually cut to the middle of the action. Whereas yeah. the and and the the Coen Brothers will actually remain 
on the far vantage point through the action it's so in a way that other directors only hint at doing that it's so effective it's just it's yeah. it's it's effective to the point where it almost feels like cheating <laughs> but mm -hmm. it's it works so well like i was i told you i was rewatching bits of uh buster scruggs yeah um and they use it a lot in the the in the thing that is very clearly an homage to um true grit in the yes in the, it's called the the woman was rattled or the rattled woman something like that mm. um one of the one of the so let me let me just tangent off into into the little easter eggs that you get that tie the two together mm -hmm. grandma turner is in yeah. is in, in in the woman was rattled or oh she's she's sitting at the dinner table next to the main um character zoe kazan yeah yeah and and uh an old lady is complaining about not having enough chicken and dumplings mm. and then the woman at the table is like just scrape them off just scrape it off her plate she's done grandma turner are you done and she doesn't say anything oh that's funny she's done um the the dog in um in the rattled woman the dog's name was president pierce yeah um in the 1969 movie the there's a a cat rooster cogburn has a cat and the cat's name is uh let me look it up rooster cogburn's cat's name um general sterling price hmm so it, it they they are clearly setting up these like these these like parallels between the two and hmm. and i think they want you to feel like um what did you say the actress's name was who played Zoe Kazan? Yes, they clearly want you they they the misdirect is they want you to think Zoe Kazan is Maddie, Maddie. Ross. Yeah, mm. they like oh this is the Maddie type. Yeah, yeah. like okay, got, got things together. And then the misdirect is at the end clearly she Ugh, was That not one's that. brutal. It's that whole all of those stories are brutal with the exception yeah. of like the um the prospector the prospector one yeah yeah and and the misdirect again is they want you to think the the sort of like the guy who turns out to be the most capable one they clearly want you to just dismiss this guy they want they want you to think that um the other guy is the competent one yeah which he he drops the ball by not being there Mm -hmm. um, but they want you to think that this guy's like a buffoon Rooster Cogburn sort of guy, but he's actually the most competent one. Um, but yeah, anyway, very clearly uh, the homage to to True Grit in that in that little short movie. But they they do the same thing. They use the same sort of long shots in that um, in that short story portion too, where you see the native americans like you just see one guy up on the ridge and she it's so far in the distance where you couldn't quite make out who it was mm -hmm. um yeah man i gotta rewatch that i haven't watched it since it first came out on netflix years ago i thought i remembered all the beats to it and i i was i was planning to just like 
fiddle around on my phone and like sort of have it on in the background i just got sucked right back in it's like oh yeah. my god this is so good what's the what's the actor's name bill heck who's in um who's in uh the old man with jeb bridges oh. he plays he plays the the cowhand guy the younger one in that um rattled woman uh story uh short story movie um the one who proposes to her remember yeah yeah who is he in the old man he's young jeff bridges oh he's oh yeah he's the young jeff bridges yeah there you go i couldn't place him in the, i was watching the i was watching the the buster scruggs and i was like why does this guy's face i've watched this guy's face where do i know this guy He's so familiar to me. It's something I've watched a lot of. Who could it be? And I was trying to I was trying to do the thing where you don't Google it and you can just kind of figure it out. And I couldn't do it. So then I Googled it. And yep, sure enough. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um another difference between the old the original movie and this one is mm -hmm. in the nineteen sixty nine version, um, Labeef dies oh. at that at that pit, and Rooster Cogburn lives, which is which is probably John Wayne made them do it because I did not know this and I did not watch it, but there's a sequel to that 1969 movie in mm -hmm. 1974 mm. or something. They made Rooster Cogburn with uh, John Wayne and Catherine Hepburn, mm. <laughs> which wow. I did not watch. Wow. So, does the, the the original movie doesn't have the epilogue where she goes and tries to meet him at the traveling Wild West show? No, the the very end of the movie, she has her arm in a sling, and they're at their family's funeral plot, and she says to him, "I would like, I would like for you to have a spot in our funeral plot because I know that you don't have anybody, or you mm. know, a cemetery plot." Yeah. And um, he goes, well, that's a ways off. And then, like, jumps over a four-post four fence with his horse. And, yeah. And it's that typical, like, the last shot that they freeze frame on is like a blurry. It's like a blurry shot of him holding his hat up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So it was interesting. Um, at the end of the 2010 version, she goes and she meets Frank James and Cole Younger. Which it was like, whoa! It's characters from other westerns because, um, oh, I didn't know. Well, that. there's a local connection because Frank, uh, the James Younger gang, raided Northfield, Minnesota in 1870, oh. and so, um, so I have you hold. I don't, I don't know if I ever told you this whole story, but like, the the Jesse James Frank Younger gang rode up into Northfield, Minnesota to rob the bank, a First National Bank of Northfield. And that event looms very, very large in the history of Northfield, Whoa. which is where Emily's from, which is where I went to college. And so every September they have what they call Jesse James Days, where they reenact the uh, raid on the bank. Really? Because what happened? Yeah, <laughs> because what happened was um, they they rode up. So they were they were a, a Missouri-based gang, and at some point, one of them, I think maybe Frank James, was like, "I, I think we can get a big." Score up in Minnesota. So they rode up to Minnesota. They rode into town um, and they 
pulled a gun on a guy and told him to open the safe in the in the uh, in the bank, and the guy refused. He refused to open the safe for them, and they, so they shot him dead. Yeah. But in the meantime, all the people of Northfield, Minnesota, grabbed their rifles and they came to the you know they're like the windows of their houses and they started shooting at the the Jesse James gang <laughs> and they killed like two of them and ran them out of town. So it's this it's this parable of how these these nasty former confederate criminals rode into the good scandinavian civic-minded northfield minnesota and got their asses kicked oh, uh, man. And, and so it like looms very large um but i don't think jesse like jesse james got away and frank james got away um but there's been two movies made about this there's two different westerns from the 70s both of which portray the the james gang's attack on northfield minnesota oh <laughs> Yeah, one of them this. is yeah, one of them is the Great Northfield Minnesota Raid, starring um Robert Duvall. And then the other one is The Long Riders, starring various other pretty well-known actors. Um oh man. Yeah, it's it's kind of a trip. Anyway, so when they when they came across Frank James and Cole Younger, like in their older lives, they're like, oh, look at who it is. Um yeah, anyway. Dang, and, I did not and then it also a great story. It also made me think of the movie The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, in which the character of Frank James is pray is he's he's played by um Sam Rockwell. And it I believe and I believe it goes into that period of life where where Frank James just started performing in shows as an old man. Um, yeah. I, I really like that movie at the time. Yeah, it's I, great I movie. need to watch it again. Yeah. That's that that director is the guy who's making this new Marilyn Monroe movie uh, yeah. that's coming out on Netflix later. Nah. Doesn't sound interesting to me, but maybe maybe it'll be good. I don't know why. Just the anytime uh, biopic. I don't know. Anyway. Well, um, a, I think I think that it's not gonna be uh it's gonna be a pretty far shout from like conventional biopics. It's oh, NC seventeen, okay. which oh, is making people good like Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and it's based on a Joyce Carol Oates novel. Oh, um, okay, okay. And then there's all kinds of controversy because they kicked us Marilyn Monroe, and uh, some people are mad about that. So anyway, it's all. It's, I'm probably oh. gonna watch it. Yeah. Um. Uh. What there was a, there was another notable difference about the. Eh, it escapes me. I think those. I think those are the big. The big. Uh, differences i really i liked this a lot more this go around than i mm -hmm. than i remembered liking it me too yeah. me too i agree um, i both found it more uncomfortable than i remembered because of those things we've talked about but also more enjoyable than i remembered i like to look up reviews of what people are saying on letterboxd about movies mm -hmm. um Someone named Madison gave it three and a half stars and liked it because those are two separate things. You can rate it star rating and whether you like it or not. Yeah. Madison, three, three and a half stars, liked it. Her review is any man in this movie, colon, unintelligible Tom Hardy grunting. Ah! Me, me, what are you saying? I'm so scared. That was my favorite. That was my favorite one. That's funny. That's it. Um, What else was in the... Look, you want to look at the box office? You know what I? You know what I realize I do? Um, what? I I tend to like morph 
whatever whenever we do a podcast i tend to like morph into or like copy whatever podcast i'm listening to the most mm-hmm. and right now i'm listening to big uh blank check podcast the most and uh-huh. i always do like they always look at the box office in it uh mojo true grit Let's see when this came out when did this come out june 7th 2011 no, that's when it was released on Blu-ray. Uh, Christmas United... time, 2010. December 22nd, 2010. December 22nd, 2010. Oh, How about right. the weird oh, Irishman? Lord. The weird Irishman. The Irishman in Ned Pepper's game that all he oh. does is like make that, animal sounds that was in the that was in the 1969 movie also uh, okay was this okay. guy that was just like he was clucking like a chicken at her and and they called it out a little bit more and there she goes is that is that man mentally ill and um robert duvall plays uh ned pepper is that his name ned pepper mm-hmm. i'm getting his name confused with the name of the guy who plays him in 2010 which barry is pepper barry pepper yeah <laughs> your name's pepper why don't you play this character yeah um yeah and and he says well he's a little off but he's a really good shot that, that's that was what he said um oh this is a weird 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 box office little fockers is in at number one whoa yeah tron legacy oh to to uh uh, another jeff bridges movie um was in at number two boy just not a lot of money seven million for little fuckers tron tron legacy five million true grit was third at five million fourth was yogi bear whoa fifth fifth was chronicles of narnia the voyage of the dawn treader okay (laughs) tangled was still in theaters black swan was in its sixth week isn't it number seven black swan man the fighter thought about that movie in a while the fighter yeah fighter was in theaters the tourist what is that the tourist is a Johnny Depp movie. What is this? No, Angel. Yeah, Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp in a movie called The Tourist. Yeah, I'm vaguely aware of that movie. Harry Potter and Deathly Hollows Part One is number ten, ninth week. Something called How Do You Know? Huh. The King's Speech is like week fifteen. King's Speech, yeah. Unstoppable. Eleventh week. Unstop. Did, did you ever watch that? No. That's a that's a fun movie. Train movie with uh, Denzel Washington and Chris Pine. Oh, was, I did see. That. Yeah. That movie's. Come to think of it, I did. I did. I, I did see that. It's just kind of got a forgettable name. Yeah, solid. It's a solid fun. Uh, Saturday afternoon have on tv movie yeah um Haley guess steinfeld that... was in a was in a romeo and juliet 
adaptation that seems to have been pretty forgettable. What does Jeff Bridges huh. do after this? What's his? Uh, let's see. He's still there. I know our internet's a little weird today. I'm here. Uh, up. Uh, no, it's a documentary. Oh no! The next like actual movie Jeff Bridges did after this was that R.I.P.D. movie oh. with Ryan Reynolds. Oof. Oh, and then he was in The Giver. He had oh, yeah, a weird run after this. He did kind of have a weird run. Hell or High Water is good though. Yes. Yeah, but again, it's him. It's him leaning in. It's like a okay. No, I'm old Western guy. That's what I am. I'm old Western guy. And he just yeah. leaned, uh, he was in the Kingsman, the Golden Circle. He was in the yeah, the second Kingsman movie. I never watched that. The first one is good. The second one is not very good, and the third one is not very good. Bad, bad Times at El Royale is definitely worth a watch if you haven't seen it. I still need to see that. Yeah, it's good. I liked it. He was in Spider-Man Far From Home? Oh, uh, archival footage from Iron Man. Weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think Bad Times at the El Royale has a lot of... There's a lot of stuff in it that Peter likes in terms of... It's like, you know, in a little anthology thing where you get to see the little stories. You get brief oh. little backstories of all the people at the hotel. It's okay. yeah, I think I think you're going to like it. Yeah, I got, I, it's it's on the list. I just haven't gotten around to it. But it's weird. I feel like he never really this was this was like the last great I mean, Hell or High Water is good. It's not as good as True Grit right yeah i think i yeah i think hell or high water is is good that director um what's his name whatever his name is uh that director writer guy he's Mark, everyone Mark seems to love him no that's never mind uh no his name is uh taylor sheridan jeez taylor, taylor sheridan. sheridan that's right yeah that's right. Sons of Anarchy, Veronica Mars. Yeah. And but also it, Wind River and Yellowstone and 1885 and all those stuff. Yeah, he's. But isn't it weird that like Jeff Bridges is like this commodity. He's like this Hollywood commodity. And only this year with the old man did people go, oh, yeah, let's give Jeff Bridges like another leading man. I mean, he was he was thing. very ill with cancer for a lot of that time, right? Oh, so I think was that he? I didn't took know. Him... Yeah, yeah, no, he had cancer, and he had to. They had to stop working on the old man in the middle of it. Oh um, crap! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I think that. Uh... Oh yeah, I see that October nineteenth, twenty twenty, Bridges announced that he had been diagnosed with lymphoma and gone through chemotherapy. Oof. Yep. Cancer, man. Oh, uh, he had COVID nineteen in the middle. Damn. Yeah, he had all that. Everybody, he had all the things. But even previous to twenty twenty, though, like he just had like a big gap where people, I don't know, like get, hmm. it seems like off of this. It seems like you do True Grit, people would be like, 
here we go. I got this project, Jeff Bridges. It's going to be you and I don't know. Like, what would you, just like you said, like, put him in another another Western, like, right away. Yeah. But instead, he kind of takes a gamble with this R.I.P.D. thing. And, like, hmm. I don't know. It's just weird. weird. Well, but on the other hand, I feel like, I feel like, old actors are more in demand now than they were 10 years ago. I feel oh. like a lot of, I feel like a lot of uh, stuff about old people doing stuff is kind of the thing right now in a way that it wasn't okay. maybe 10 years ago. I don't know. No, I could be I completely wrong. No, I think I, think <laughs> I, I say this with no examples to cite, just kind of a gut feeling. We got the old man. We got um, um, that movie about, Oh, what's her name? There's a one where Robert Redford is robbing banks as an old man. There's this new uh, series with Brian Cranston as an old man doing crime. It's like, oh, and old and people there's, doing uh, crime and doing action seems to be in right now. Bob Odenkirk, um, yeah. um nobody, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What What's the name of that new movie that came out with um, the actress? She's older. She hires a male prostitute. Oh, yeah. Emma Thompson. Yes. Um, something like. It's like, good luck to you, Bobby Flay. That's not what it is. Yeah, so, something like <laughs> not Bobby Flay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. What it it's is. called. Good luck to you, Leo Grande. Maybe. I, I'm, I mean, I don't work in Hollywood, but maybe just a better name. I don't know. People say this movie's real good. I want to watch it. I want to. I want to watch it too. I'm just saying that maybe a better name. Yeah. Could have. Could have kicked around some other suggestions. Maybe. Good All up. right. Well, I think we did it, man. Yeah, man. Where, I think we covered it. Good movies. Where's, where's uh? I don't know. Where? Uh, I, it's not top tier Coven's for yeah. me, but it's second tier. It's it's like it's higher up than I thought it would be. Yeah, me too. Um, I like it better than Lady Killers. I like it better than Intolerable oh, sure. Cruelty. I like it better than... Um, I like it better than Burn After Reading. Yeah, I like this better than Burn After Reading also. Um, I, I think like I it. like it better than The Man Who Wasn't There. Man Who Wasn't There is tough. That's a tough one. Yeah. That's a movie that... Man Who Wasn't There is a movie that... Um, is better in my memory than it is when you're actually watching it. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a slog. It's a slog. Yeah. Um <clears throat> All me. right. Well, and okay, so coming up next we got Inside Lewin Davis. Inside Lewin Davis. Yes. And for that one, I'll see if Emily wants to be a guest on the podcast cuz she's been She's been wanting to watch that for literal years. She's been like, let's put on uh, Inside Lewin Davis. And I'm like, nope, got to wait for it to come up on the on the on the queue. So now we're finally there. After yeah. years. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. You know, and then. Yeah, we're getting we're going to run out of Coen Brothers movies at this rate. But that was always going to happen. That was always going to happen. What you so know, and I'm excited because Hail Caesar will be will be next, and I haven't seen Hail Caesar but once, so I'm excited to be able to check that one out again. I and then we're on the Buster Struggs and Macbeth. 
I thought uh, I thought what's it called? I thought Lewin Davis was next. I don't have. Yeah, it. I mean after Lewin Davis. Oh, Lewin Davis. Yeah. So we got Lewin Davis. We got uh, Hail Caesar, and then mm -hmm. Buster Scruggs, mm -hmm. and, and then, then Macbeth, and then Macbeth. Maybe we which isn't really back. even a Coen Brothers movie, technically speaking. No, maybe we could circle back to to Crime Wave. Okay, okay, okay. That Crime Wave is not a great movie, by the way. It's not good, but they wrote it right. Yeah, them and Sam Raimi working together. Um, yeah. Well, all right, man. That's it. That's it. We did it. Wraps her up. That about wraps her all up. Mm-hmm. And Didn't if like you would to like to Donnie. give him a kiss, it would be all right. Yeah, it would be all right. That that line was in the 69 uh, movie. Was it repeated three times? Though? It was not repeated three times. It was just he, the one time. Yeah. Yeah. And he did not say, if you wanted to sleep in the coffin, that would be all right. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Uh, all righty. Um, all right. Well, until next until time. Until next time. Stay yeah. by your apparatus. Okay, this is the postscript. Postscript. Okay. We didn't talk about Barry Pepper at all. He's really good. Uh, he's doing a bit of a. Robert Duvall plays that character in the original. He's doing a bit of a of a Robert Duvall. You can hear it when he's yelling at Jeff Bridges. Mm. Yeah, I see that. Rooster. Yeah, yeah, that's a good Robert Duvall right there. Yeah. Who plays Tom Cheney in the original? Some guy. I some guy don't recognize him. Yeah. Um, um, and, and I sent you that clip of Dennis Hopper as he's plays one of the guys in the in the dugout uh, okay, cabin okay. thing. Yeah, yeah. Man, I uh, and Josh Brolin. You meant you were going to say? Well, he Josh he plays the character much more broadly than I remembered. He's really kind of comic relief. Practically. Can you imagine him now doing doing this part? That was I, I was going to say that it's like that 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 part is below josh brolin now oh yeah he he was thanos don't yeah. don't come at him with with your little skinny scrawny uh character beats. yeah i was just reflecting on how i saw a movie recently that has josh brolin and uh and jeff bridges in it um only the brave about what? firefighters oh, that's right. a it's really actually it's a really good movie i thought but it's very 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 sad Ugh. so yeah it's rough. It's rough going. But Jeff Josh Brolin is really good in it. Um, Jeff Bridges, on the other hand, doesn't have too much to do. Jeff doesn't have too much to do. And the in that movie, Jeff Bridges' wife is played by Andy McDowell. And I think she literally has no lines. I think I think you you see Andy McDowell in several scenes. It's like, oh, there's Andy McDowell again. I think she literally has no lines. It's kind oh of awkward. Oh my god yeah but the movie's good i gotta watch it all right that, that yeah was our that was our post okay little postscript all right okay, okay. stay by See your ya. apparatus for real this time okay bye-bye